six months of planning and preparing and then conducting liberty, preaching a youth camp in Texas, preaching a youth camp in New Mexico, and just wrapping up a huge youth conference in Oklahoma City. Brother Tyler thought that he needed a vacation. And so they're gone. They're in San Francisco and enjoying themselves. And so we're left here to fend for ourselves. And so between Brother Mike and myself, we're going to try to get this music thing pulled off this morning. So let's stand together. Join Brother Mike as we sing. Lift it up to the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Come on, church. Sing it with me now. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hey, 
start this morning. You may be seated. This time our choir will sing a song called Jesus Alone.
Thank you, choir. You know, I was thinking about the songs today, and I thought about that song, how uh, we look for fulfillment in other areas. We can only find it in Christ. I thought of in John chapter number four, the woman at the well, and how she came to the well for a drink of water. And Jesus knew her past, and he knew that she had gone from husband to husband to husband, and now she was living with another man. And, and here's what Jesus said. He said, you don't need this water. You're going to thirst again if you drink this water. But if you drink of the water that I give unto you, you shall never thirst again. You know what the idea is there? That we can find fulfillment. We try to find fulfillment in so many different places. But every time the Bible just brings us back to this one truth, that if we just go to Jesus and we go to his word and the life that he has to offer us, we can find satisfaction that is unending, lasting fulfillment. How many of you are thankful that Jesus satisfies this morning? You, 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 know, what I, you know what we ought to do? Is we ought to praise his name. We ought to thank him that as the son of God, that he would care so much about us to come and to offer us that life, that eternal life that he gives. Let's stand. I want you to sing this song with me. Jesus' name above all names. Sing it with me now. Jesus, name above all names, beautiful Savior, glorious Lord. Sing it again, really reflect, reflecting this morning. Jesus, name above all names, beautiful Savior, glorious Lord, Emmanuel, God is with us, blessed Redeemer. this with me now. Blessed Redeemer, living word. Jesus, there's just something about that name. Jesus, 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 there's just something about
sing about that name. Sing it with me one more time, Jesus. Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. Master. prayer this morning. Just thank the Lord for his son. God, we come before you this morning. I'm so thankful, God, that you saw way back in time, you saw our sin, you saw our brokenness and our emptiness, God, and you cared so much about us and you loved us so much that you were willing to send your only begotten son into this world to live a perfect life and to die on a cross. Why? So that you could redeem us, God, and you could restore our brokenness and give us life that would be satisfactory and unending. Father, we just want to thank you this morning for how good you are. Lord, I pray that we would, our lives would just be an expression of our praise to you. God, I pray that as our pastor brings the word this morning, that you would change us, Lord, that you would use the word of God to help us this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. This time, Miss Lavana will come sing for us.
Amen. Thank you, Lavana. I want to begin a little bit different this morning. Um, how many Jeopardy fans do we have this morning? Any, any folks watch? Don't worry about it, kids. It's not a big deal. Any Jeopardy folks here? I happened to find one this morning. Um, Virginia was walking to the choir practice room, and just on a whim, I said, Hey, are you a Jeopardy fan? She said, Every day. I said, then you are the lucky contestant. So, Virginia, come on up here. And uh, come on up here. We're going to have a little Jeopardy style. You can use that. You know what to do with that. We'll have a little Jeopardy style introduction to the message this morning. Now, for those that aren't familiar with Jeopardy, um, the, the answer is given. Like, for example, if I were to say, who is the best college football team in America, her answer would be, who are the Oklahoma Sooners? That would be the right answer, okay? So the answer is in the form of a question, who is or what is something like that, okay? These are all about the Bible, so this may be a struggle. Let's hope not, but it's very simple. Here we go. Here's the first one. He vowed to follow Jesus to prison and even to death. Who is Peter? Who is Peter? Very good. Give her a hand. Nice. Nice. All right, let's do the second one. He rebuked Jesus to his face. 
Who is Peter? Ah, see, she's going to win millions one day. I'm telling you, just tithe on it and give to missions, all right? Okay, what's the next one? Jesus called him Satan. Who is Peter? Ah, you see a, a trend here? All right, what's the next one? He vowed he would never deny Jesus. Who is Peter? Good, and here's the last one for all of the marbles, which happens to be a gift card to Subway. <laughs> he is the subject of today's message. Um, who is Peter? You got it. Very good, Virginia. <laughs> Amen. Hey, let's go to John chapter 18 again this morning, would you? Very good. John chapter 18 this morning. We're going we're gonna to backtrack just a little bit from where we were um, last week. And um, study a little bit of what we didn't talk about in length last week. And as you're turning to, to John chapter 18, it's amazing to me how closely we can relate to the stories of men and women. Brother Mike talked about the woman at the well this morning. It's amazing to me how we can relate to men and women who lived well over 2,000 years ago. And often how, how readily we can identify ourselves somewhere in those stories. And I'm absolutely convinced today that the story that we're going to study in John chapter 18 is one that many of us can relate to either as we look back at a particular time in our life or as you view your life in real time. Like this may be where you're at this morning. John chapter 18, look with me in verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the brook Kedron, where was a garden, into the which he entered, and his disciples... And Judas also, which betrayed him, he knew the place. Jesus oftentimes resorted thither with his disciples. Now remember, we just finished the upper room discourse. Judas dismisses himself in the midst of that time together because he had it in his heart that he was going to betray Jesus. And he went out and he took 30 pieces of silver and he told where Jesus was, as a matter of fact, he even led these people to Jesus. He was a traitor. Verse 3, Judas then, having received a band of men and officers, let me, let me stop there. The word band there would be a reference to a Roman cohort. A Roman cohort consisted of about 600 men. Now, it's doubtful that there would have been 600 men, but no, no doubt about it, there were uh, many hundreds, maybe 400 or so men who came with them, not because they thought they would have an issue with the 11 uh, that were there, but because they were afraid that if they arrested Jesus they, and word got out, they weren't really too comfortable with not having a whole lot of soldiers there because of what the crowds would do. Jesus was famous, and there were many, obviously, who did not like him, but there were thousands who did. And they were afraid of what might happen there, and so they came 
uh, officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, and they came with lanterns and with torches and with weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him. I could stop and preach the rest of the morning right here. Think about that this morning. Jesus is in the garden. Uh, he's with uh, the other 11. These men come for him. And the Bible says that Jesus knew what was coming. He knew that he was about to be arrested. He knew that he was going to be put through some six, and we talked about last week, six different kangaroo courts. And eventually he was going to be found guilty. He was going to be lied about, falsely accused. He would be found guilty. He would be turned over. And then he would be stripped of his robe and beaten with a cat of nine tails to the point that his back and his buttocks were, were, were exposed, some, some down to the bone. He knew that what awaited him was a crown of thorns crushed down into his head. He knew that that would be followed by spikes through his wrist and spikes through his feet as he hung on a cross. He was going to be spat upon. He was going to be mocked. He was going to be ridiculed. He was, he was going to be made fun of. He was going to be tortured some more. Ultimately, there would be a spear that was ran through his side. And the Bible says, knowing all of that, he still stepped forward. And he met the men there. And he asked them, who are you looking for? Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. Now, how many in your Bible the word he is in italics? Most, because the translators added it there for clarity. But here's what Jesus really said to them, I am. I am. You remember the I am? Moses said he was going to Pharaoh. So who am I supposed to tell Pharaoh sent me? God said, you just tell him I am sent you. Once again, Jesus was stating his deity. He was stating his equality with God. Who are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth. I am. Look what, what happened. As soon as then he said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. Then asked he them again, whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am. If therefore you seek me, he said, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled which he spake of them, which thou gavest me, have I lost none. Then Simon Peter, <laughs> having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. Now, how many of you believe he was aiming for the right ear? I'm telling you, he, he wanted to split this dude's gourd right in half. He just wasn't a very good swordsman. The guy's name was Malchus. Then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword into the, the sheath. The cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? The cup of sorrow, the cup of suffering. Jesus said, Come on, you know I've got to drink that. I've got to go through that. Then the band and the captain and the officers took Jesus. They bound him, verse 13. They took him to, to Caiaphas first. Verse, uh, or, or, or took him to Annas first. Verse 14, now Caiaphas was he which gave the counsel to the Jews that it was expedient that one should die uh, for the people. Verse 15, and Simon Peter followed Jesus 
And so did another disciple. That was most likely John, the author of the Gospel of John, who references himself a number of times but never mentions himself by name. That disciple was known unto the high priest and went in with Jesus into the palace of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door without. Then went out that other disciple, which was known unto the high priest, and spake unto her that kept the door and and brought in Peter. Then saith the damsel that kept the door unto Peter, Art not thou also one of this man's disciples? He saith, I am not. Most of you understand, Jesus had already told Peter, Listen, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. Well, there's number one. And the servants and officers stood there who made a fire of coals, for it was cold. And they warmed themselves, and I want you to circle this phrase in your Bible, and Peter stood with them. Can I just stop for a moment and talk to our students this morning, our junior high, senior high students, even our college students this morning? You're about to enter the school year. And you're going to be faced with a number of challenges to your spiritual life. Would you write this down? I wrote it in the margin of my Bible. When surrounded by wrongdoers, wrongdoing becomes easy. Young people, check your friend list. Make sure that you surround yourself with other young people who are seeking the Lord. Other young people who want to do right. Because when you're surrounded by wrongdoers, Are you listening? Wrongdoing becomes easy. And then for all of us this morning, adults as well, ask yourself this question. Are my closest friends Christ followers or just churchgoers? There's a difference. There are a lot of people who go to church on Sunday who don't follow the Lord Monday through Saturday. And so I want to challenge you this morning, without preaching a whole message here, ask yourself, are my closest friends Christ followers or just churchgoers? Because adults every now and then, we need to check our friend list. We do, amen. We do. And we need to make sure we surround ourselves, because it's true for us too, when surrounded by wrongdoing, For wrongdoers, then wrongdoing becomes easy for adults, too. Let's go on. The high priest then asked Jesus of his disciples, or or jump down, if you would, to, uh, to verse 25. And Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. They said, therefore, unto him, Art not thou also one of the disciples? He denied it, number two, and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, Peter's getting in a pickle here, One of the servants of the high priest, being his kinsman, whose ear Peter cut off, saith, did I not see thee in the garden with him? So you got this dude there, and Malchus is related to this guy somehow. (laughs) And he stood there, and he watched Peter cut off his relative's ear. And then the Bible says in, in one of the other Gospels that Jesus actually healed it. Remember that? That very moment, Jesus healed it. So this guy's not going to forget this. You cut off my friend's ear. 
But Jesus put it back, you're, you're one of them, and look what it says. Peter then denied again, number three, and immediately the cock crew. That is without a doubt the lowest point in Peter's life as a follower of Christ. And we'll talk about that at length here in just a moment, but I want to go back real quick to the beginning of Peter's relationship with the Lord. Peter, then known as Simon, was actually brought to Christ by his brother Andrew. And we studied that in our study of the Gospel of John. We studied that months ago, back in John chapter 1 and verses 40 through 42, where it says, One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. And so after coming to Jesus, Simon was changed. Even his name was changed. And can I say this this morning, that what was true for Peter is going to be true for every person who ever gets saved. They will change. The Bible says that they are a, a new creature, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that they are a new creature or a new creation. And here's what that means. It means that they now have a new spiritual identity, a new mind, a new Lord, a new heart, new passions, new pleasures, new longings, new thoughts, new ambitions, new desires. Everything, the Bible says, becomes new. All things are passed away. And behold, all things become new. And if that's not your testimony this morning, then I would challenge you to rethink your relationship with the Lord. Now, that's not to say that, that you'll never struggle, because you will. Even Peter struggled after being saved. As a matter of fact, with Peter, if you, if you study his life, it seemed like it was always two steps forward and one step back. I mean, no disciple is spoken to by the Lord more often than Peter was. And at the same time, no disciple was rebuked by the Lord as often as Peter was. No one confessed the Lord more publicly or boldly than Peter. But yet at the same time, no one denied the Lord more forcefully or more publicly than Peter. Which brings us really to the, the gist of the message this morning about Peter's epic failure. Je Jesus knew when he saved us that none of us would be perfect. He knew that as long as we had to live in this fallen world with our fallen natures still intact, that there would be times that we would fail him. In Luke's account of this same event, he notes that Jesus predicted such a time in the life of Peter. Let me show you Luke chapter 22. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. 
And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said, that is Peter, said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And he, Jesus, said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. Here's what I find interesting. Jesus used Peter's former name. He didn't say Peter, Peter. He said Simon, Simon. In essence, Jesus was saying to Peter, hey, listen, your old you is shining through again. And what's going to happen is what always happens when the old you shows up. And what happens is never good. And most of us this morning can relate to that. I'm talking about those times when we, we kind of revert back to the way we used to think or to the way we used to talk or to the way we used to act before we, we came to Christ, before we really started growing in our faith and, and getting stronger in our faith. If you know anything about that this morning, then you know how discouraging and how disappointing and sometimes even how devastating that can be. Listen, even the best among us fail. Peter was at the head of the class. I mean, he was the one that was singled out by the Lord to lead the other 11, but still he failed. And notice when it happened, he let the Lord down at the exact time that he needed him the very most. If ever Jesus needed Peter to be strong and to be bold, it was while he was facing certain crucifixion and death on the cross. But in that most crucial hour, Peter failed. Big time. The one who stood so boldly and so proudly and vowed publicly with his mouth out loud, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death, crumbled in a heaving, sobbing mass of broken humanity. And it's not like he was suffering. It's not like he was even being threatened with suffering. He was simply pointed out as a follower of Jesus. And the first time it was by a powerless maiden. It was by a servant girl. Listen, folks, we're talking about the man who back in Matthew chapter 16, he said, Thou art the Christ the son of the living God, and now he denies even knowing him. Not once, not twice, but three times. He says, I don't even know this guy. It would be real easy for me to just continue to pound on Peter for his failure. But let's examine our own lives for a moment. Have you ever made a promise to the Lord? You ever made a promise to God that you didn't keep? 
maybe at youth camp, maybe to revival. Lord, I'll never do that again. I'll I'll do this, I'll do that, and I won't do this, I won't do that. Maybe maybe you made a promise about being more consistent in your devotional life. God, I'm going to read your word, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to meditate, and I'm going to walk with you all day, every day. But it just hadn't been that way. Maybe you made a, a vow to be more faithful to church, but you've dropped the ball time and time again. Maybe your promise was to forsake some some certain sin that was hindering your progress to the Lord. And you did. You did. For a while. But even as we sit here today, you're right back at it. You ever had opportunities to be a bold witness for the Lord, but you didn't? Because of fear? You see, it's so easy for me to stand up here and, and, and be in my office and work on this message all week and, and just hammer away at Peter. He did this and he did that and he did that and he messed up here and he messed up here and it's like the Lord goes, uh, time out there, bucko. Let's talk. You remember? Yeah. You remember? I remember. I remember I was just like Peter. I remember, Lord, I'm way too much like Peter, I'm afraid. The truth is we all fail the Lord from time to time. We've all been guilty of doing something that we said we'd never do again. And at that point, the issue then becomes our reaction. After Peter denied the Lord, the thing that he said he would never do, the Bible says he went out and he wept bitterly. Think about the last time you had an epic spiritual failure in your life, whether it was last month or last week or last night. The Holy Spirit convict you? Did it bother you as you were made to see who you really are apart from the grace of God? Now, there are some Christians who fail the Lord, and and they're ashamed. I mean, immediately they feel dirty. They feel embarrassed. they're, They're actually devastated like Peter was. And they weep bitter tears of regret. Their repentance is almost immediate. And then there are those, it seems, who put off repenting. Consequently, their heart grows hard and it grows cold. And I would venture to guess this morning that in a a crowd this size, that I'm speaking to some people just like that. At the outset of your failure, you were convicted, you were bothered, in your heart you were ashamed. 
But because you didn't deal with it right then, you eventually learn to just live with it. And you're still living with it. And your heart is so hard and so cold and so calloused. The joy's gone. The rejoicing's gone. Pride has risen up in you. Stubbornness has taken its stand in you. And you're losing. Because every day away from the Lord is a day lost. But here's the silver lining in this dark cloud of miserable failure. Even though Peter failed the Lord, and even though we've failed the Lord, he has never failed us. He is ever faithful and waiting to forgive those who are willing to repent. A man by the name of John Ortberg once said this, if there is one way that human beings consistently underestimate God's love, it is perhaps in his loving longing to forgive. C.S. Lewis is quoted as saying, though our feelings come and go, his love for us does not. It is not wearied by our sins or our indifference, and therefore, it is quite relentless. Here's what I know today. Jesus is relentlessly in love with you. And he relentlessly pursues you. He is relentless to forgive you. And he knows when you will fail him. And he will be right there on the other side of that failure because he is faithful even when we're not. You know what we're talking about this morning? And really what we're talking about this morning is a, a word that a lot of you grew up hearing a lot in church. It's a good Bible word. It's called backsliding. Well, there's, there's old-fashioned for you. How many of you grew up in a church where they talked about backsliding? Yeah. We understood what that meant. Or at least we thought we understood what that meant. But here's where I think maybe we were mistaken a little bit. Backsliding, if you go back, it's an Old Testament word. It's still a good Bible word. Israel did it a lot. But here's what we need to understand about backsliding. Backsliding is not from a place. You don't backslide from a place. 
You backslide from a person. Well, yeah, I know. I, I, need, to, I need to get back to church. I've kind of backslidden. No, 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 no. Listen, you know why you're not in church as much as you should be? It's because you're not as close to the Lord as you should be. You haven't backslidden from church. You've backslidden from your relationship with the Lord. You know why you're not in your Bible as regularly as you should be? It's because you're not as close to the Lord as you should be. You haven't backslidden from Bible reading. You've backslidden from your relationship with the Lord. You know how you don't pray like you used to pray? It's because you're not as close to the Lord as you used to be. We don't backslide from a place. Every time God called Israel back, he called him, they, he called them back to him. He didn't say, get back to the temple, get back to this. Get, he said, come to me. Come to me. Bible talks in the book of Revelation about losing our first love. That's our love relationship with, with God and with Jesus Christ. And the Bible calls us not to come back to church, not to come back to our Bible, not to come back to a time of prayer. The Bible calls us to come back to the Lord. We have slidden back in our love relationship with the Lord. And so that's God's call to us this morning. Come back to me. Come back to me. Don't just come back to church. Come back to your body. Listen, if, you, if we'll come back to him, everything else will fall into place. It will. Because it all hinges on our love relationship with him. Let's put him back where he belongs. And see if that doesn't change who you are. And what you do. Would you pray with me this morning?